Hey guys, before we begin today's podcast, we just wanted to say that we're talking about very real world events happening right now, um, such as the COVID-19. And I just wanted to note that Jay and I are not medical experts, uh, nor are we trying to be. But for updates on our details on our current situation, please, please, please visit the CDC website at cdc.gov and the WHO website at who.int. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Buzzed Podcast. I am Jay Kington, not alongside, but always with Mr. EJ Golett in sunny Southern California, while I'm coming to you from also sunny and beautiful South Florida. That's right. It's not so sunny today, though, Jay, unfortunately. It's uh, quite rainy and disgusting here, and it has been for the past few days, but we need it. That is a shame because it is absolutely gorgeous as I am staring out this window. Hey, you were just at the pool from what I understand, too. I'm jealous. I was. Two weekends in a row, man. I'm going to be the most tan Irishman you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, how are you doing all set aside with what's going on in the world? Uh, I mean, I think we're doing all right. Um, not too. It's it's a little difficult, like kind of trying to, to stay in more than usual with uh, with a little child. Um, but I, you know, I've been training for so many years on my couch with Netflix and some ganja of just being able being very content with staying in and watching movies. So, uh, if, if shit does all go haywire, uh, I think we'll, we'll be all right. But you know, outside of like the, the grocery stores, which, uh, I actually kind of got a head start and, and picked up a bunch of stuff earlier in the week. Uh, but now everything's pretty much emptied out. Uh, and it's not an enjoyable experience going out trying to get anything because so many people are in that same boat. That is very true. I don't know about you. I mean, I know Fort Lauderdale is a big area. It's not as big as LA, obviously, but it has been insane this week trying to go and get any types of groceries um, at any hour. Uh, I went into Ralph's yesterday here by my office, which is like in the heart of LA, um, line back to the back of the store every single cashier. It was, it was crazy. Um, I have stocked up on a lot of stuff, but my main thing I can't find, toilet paper. Yeah, TP is all gone, man. This virus is literally scaring the shit out of people because it does not cause any diarrhea. It actually does cause diarrhea. It can cause diarrhea. Oh, it can. Okay, okay. Well, I don't know. We were lucky enough. We, we, we still had like 20 rolls on deck, and then we got a bunch of cocktail napkins uh, for all that. For everyone going out there, I know a lot of people are buying baby wipes. Oh, as a father. Uh, please, myself included. Please. Yeah, please do not buy baby wipes unless you're – a baby or have a baby because us that need them for our small children, it is very hard to find them now. Luckily we've always bought in bulk in Amazon, so we should be great. But want to give that little PSA, don't buy all the baby wipes. People actually need those. Use cocktail napkins, use paper towels. Hell, use a hand rag and wash it if you need to. I'm waiting for some report to come out about the amount of toilets that are, uh, 
congested and need plumbing issues fixed because of the amount of cocktail napkins, Scott towels, and all that stuff that people are flushing down the toilet rather than toilet paper right now. There's nowhere to be found, man. It's nowhere to be found, dude. I walked because Friday, we're working remote, obviously, all of us. Friday, I walked uh, around. I drove an hour outside of LA, went into 10 different stores, all of them out of toilet paper, every single one. And I had to. I had to resort to buy um, some baby wipes and then uh, use cocktail napkins, obviously. That's what, that's what we have in the house right now. It's, I have one toilet paper roll left. It's crazy. I mean, get creative with it, you know? You got to get creative with it, bud. I'm trying to, man. I mean, eventually I might just go ahead and buy a bidet. Just put it in the bathroom. And all right. Just use the hose outside. Last night I had to get a bidet lesson. I was like, how does a bidet exactly work? And somebody explained it to me. I was like, that actually sounds quite lovely. You know, I didn't realize. how a bidet works. I mean, I know how they work. I know it's water sprayed on your ass, but I'm like, I was asking in terms of like installing a bidet because, you know, you can buy them on Amazon. So there's one for your personal toilet. I was like, so how does this work? Do you hover over your, over your toilet seat afterwards? Do you have to move into a different position? Like how exactly do you get your asshole clean? And then still afterwards, you still got to use toilet paper or something like that to clean that asshole up a little bit, you know? Yeah. And just as a heterosexual man, uh, there is a slight alarm of, of how good it does feel. (laughs) Careful, Jay. Careful. Might not uh, come back to the other side there ever. Right. (laughs) Well, today we are talking about uh, a movie that is uh, honestly quite um, eerily similar to what is going on today in the world. We're talking about the nine-year-old movie Contagion. Yeah, this is a good one. And and oddly enough, I realized that I'd actually seen like the last 10 minutes of this movie just randomly one night. Um, was it on TV or something somewhere? Yeah, I, th- I watched it. And I was like, oh, I should, I should definitely watch this movie. And then I didn't really realize it until like the the ending, like ten minutes. When I was like, oh, I've seen this before, the ending at least. But um, yeah, very relevant to what's going on in uh, the current world situation. That's very true, and that's something we're going to get into. Um, let's start off with our normal spiel. Jay, what are you drinking today? Oh, I'm drinking some Bush lattes. Uh, shout out <laughs> I love the you betcha podcast in that group uh, bush lights um, I don't know I like them I didn't want to I, I bought like a case and a half of wine made a couple bottles I have like nine bottles of bourbon that I, I just I try and keep on deck at all times but I wanted to buy some beer again everyone was buying everything so I want to make sure I had that so now I'm just kind of working my way through that but that's what I'm currently uh, currently sipping on well, that's awesome. Me, for myself, I'm sipping on some, what is this called, actually? Some Mountain Time Premier Lager. Some New Belgium Mountain Time. Nice. Um, yeah, my dad was in town visiting a couple weeks ago. And he just, pretty good, actually. I really like it. Uh, Jay, what are you watching right now? Okay, so just finished The Outsider. Obviously love anything Steve. Mm-hmm, King. mm-hmm. Not a bad little show there. Uh, McMillions have one episode left. Uh, that's Same here. Just because it's down here in Florida. And um, I always liked the Monopoly game when I was a, a kid. My only like issue I have with McMillions, and I don't know if I, we've said this on a previous episode or not, but um, 
it always makes me crave McDonald's. So I always, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bad situation. Depending on the order we put these out in. Yeah. 100%. You've said this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, other shows I, I started watching October fashion or October faction rather a few weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I watched some more episodes about a week ago, probably going to finish the first season here this following week. Um, movie wise, obviously contagion watched 1917, which I loved. Uh, watch great movie, right? Of, oh, such a good movie, man. Very. I don't want to yeah. ruin anything, but definitely surprised. Like that, I went from two to one so <laughs> so quick in that movie. Uh, such um, a masterpiece in regards to like the whole single shot vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I I I, I got to look more into that and see like how were they how were they taking like how were they cutting right? Because I can't assume that they that that those actors went through that for like two and a half hours straight. Like that's just a, it's a, it's a lot. I became really obsessed with that movie and just how it was made. And I just kept on looking up how Sam Mendes did it all with Roger Deakins, who's the cinematographer. And it was crazy. The amount of preparation they did, like the amount of small scale models that they had set up just to do the one shot and then do the rehearsals. And then to do the take is really, really fascinating. Um, like I just know, for example, the very last scene where he's running across and like all the people are, are storming out of the trenches to run across the open field. They only had four shots to do that in. And I think they did it in two, but like where he's getting run into people and like falling over and all that stuff, like that wasn't supposed to happen, but they were just like, just fuck it, run, just do it. And honestly, it made the shot that much better. Yeah, I I had to imagine there was CGI tied in there somehow to like tie scenes together, but. Very impressive regardless. Uh, from what I know, only tied really into obviously some background stuff, but like when he jumps off of the cliff into the water, that cut right there was all CGI, but like the rest of it was very practical. It's it's cool. And honestly, the thing I learned, did you know that the kid, the the two boys, the one who we were talking about, the two to one ratio, um, the blonde kid, you know who that is, right? Most people don't. I don't. That is, that is King Tommen from Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the kid, the one who jumps out the window in Game of Thrones after his mom blows up after Cersei blows up uh, the Citadel. I I did not I did not realize that. And funny enough, yeah, most people don't. Every because Rob is also in the very end. Richard. Madden. That's what I found so funny about it. Yeah, Richard. Richard Madden. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, crazy. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, that's crazy. Like, And then I, he just – he gained a lot of weight and you can't really tell. Like not a lot of weight, but like he looks different. He looks older. So it's uh, it's funny. Um, yeah, great, great movie. Sorry to interrupt there. We just got off topic. But uh, and I see you're uh, also watching Color Out of Space. Watch Color Out of Space last night. That is a trippy Nick Cage movie for sure. Um, and then uh, – Watch like the Maradona HBO documentary, really cool two-hour documentary on kind of his like rise and downfall. Then also watch the Beckham effect for obvious reasons for you know the Miami podcast. Yeah, what those. Uh, uh, right now, me um, just finished Outsider as well. Loved it. Um, McMillian, same as you. One episode left. I don't know why I'm so slow to the draw on it, but I need to finish it. Um, I just finished. Oddly enough, Love is Blind because everyone at work and my girlfriend was like, please, let's just watch this. So I was like, sure, let's watch it. And I did. And I don't like trash TV. That one was fun to watch. Um, I'm also watching Psych, which I just started. 
old show right there, early 2000s, but um, really great. And then tonight, uh, as it's Sunday, the March 15th, Westworld Season 3 is on tonight, baby. About to check that one out. I will probably dabble as well. I still haven't watched the world season finale of the second season, though, so whatever. Just just do an extreme recap, like find one on YouTube that covers the first two seasons and you'll be good to go. Like there's something that covers like a 15 minute long and it covers the first two and you're like, got it. And then you just because they've been three. like. Right. Wait, I'm trying to know because I watched season one then season two. That was with Shogun because they, they've been like they they did the ad with the Aaron Paul like I want to feel like a year ago. It was almost like right after. Well, the they, annou- they announced him and yeah, all that stuff about a year ago. Eh, probably a little bit more. You're right. And then it seems like it's they've in been... modern time. And the second season was still in Western time. They were just breaking out, right? If I remember correctly, it was kind of like that in the second season. They kind of used it as like the robots kind of realizing that they are inside of a simulation almost. And now they can kind of get out to the free world. And this is now the free world and you get to experience what it looks like in this day and age right now because there's been a couple promos that have shown like where exactly this falls in and it really stays on like real world events until it gets after 2020 and then it kind of just like makes up different events that could possibly happen in the future so it's cool i I like it it's it's very close to reality and that's i kind of like how it teeters um and this could be like a real thing in the future it's just fun all right yeah let's go ahead and get into the fun stuff Yes, sir. So I wanted to start out. Uh, let's talk about COVID-19, aka coronavirus. Um, we're not going to go into some deep details of the news and like what's going on right now, but we'd like to kind of talk about just some updates in terms of how many cases there are um, and some prevention tips that we can give to you guys for um, yourselves. So currently right now, there are 120,000 plus cases worldwide of COVID-19. The total world death from the virus stands at 5K as of yesterday, 314. So obviously this number will change by the time you're listening. Um, And that was according to our world and data. Uh, And then ways you can prevent the spread and practice good hygiene. Please, for the love of God, wash your hands at least 20 seconds, you nasty fucks. Um, Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. And then throw that tissue in the trash immediately. Don't even think twice about it using it again. Uh, clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. That's not something I'm doing often. I probably should do more of uh, just keeping a guess a wipe on me and just wiping it down. Um, stay the fuck home when you're sick. Don't go out, please. Don't uh, risk infecting others. Even if you just feel a little sniffle, stay home. Um contact health professionals if you have symptoms uh and please don't contact them if you just have like a little cough or something like that but the symptoms that are according to the cdc website are fever dry cough fatigue coughing mucus shortness of breath muscle or joint pain sore throat headache chills nausea or vomiting nasal congestion or diarrhea um that can be one thing multiple things um, from what I understand, but the order that I just read that in, that is like the severity and the most common cases of that, cases of it. So fever, dry cough, and fatigue, those are like the three most common things that they're seeing amongst them. And then coughing, mucus, shortness of breath, muscle, or joint pain below. 
like those are the less common and the less uh, amount of percentage of things that you normally see. Um, things. Mm-hmm. And things that are in the news right now. Um, I mean, obviously you can't turn on the TV without seeing uh, anything about the coronavirus, but uh, people are doing the big thing right now, which is practicing social distancing. Now, Jay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm work from home indefinitely. And I think you are as well. Yeah. They announced on Friday, it'll at least be next week. If not, more than likely longer than that. Yeah. I, I think from what I understand, they're basically saying like, you have to do it for at least two weeks. Otherwise it's an ineffective because it takes two weeks for symptoms to sometimes really show and know if you have it um, up that that is kind of like the incubation period of it. Um, but big events are being canceled all across the world right now. Um, I'm really sad because March madness is canceled and I think you are too. Yeah, March Madness, NBA, MLB, the MLS, which sucks. We've been covering this damn team for eight months now, and now we just got postponed. So uh, NFL, uh, XFL, um, all different types of music festivals, Ultra down here is canceled. I mean, you name it. It's, uh, yeah, Okeechobee, yeah, South by Southwest. Uh, and then also this is uh, causing a ton of uh, movies to be delayed as well. Um, things like A Quiet Place Part Two that's delayed indefinitely right now. Uh, the new Bond movie, No Time to Die, that's moved to November, which honestly, good move. Um, let's see, Fast Nine. Fast Nine was moved to April 2021. Uh, Mulan um, and Antlers has been removed from Disney's schedule. Uh, and obviously, up next, or honestly, I think up next is going to be the release of Black Widow. And even Disneyland is closing down its doors uh, for the next 30 days, I believe. I know a lot of people here were up in arms about that. It's crazy. It's crazy, but you did like, and that's the same trend across really like the entire world, right? So, um, kind of leading up to this, this you know, home kickoff with the soccer team. Like, I was like, the team seems very adamant that they're not that they're not going to postpone it, that it's still going on. But then, just as days went on, you saw like the English Premier League suspend everything, La Liga suspend everything, the French league, Serie A in Italy, the Bundesliga in Germany, everything. Everyone's like on full suspend mode right now, which. Sucks a lot, uh, but it's honestly the right thing to do. No, it really is. I mean, it's it's ever since the it's basically the domino effect started when Rudy Gobert was announced that he had the coronavirus, and then after that, I feel like everything just went south in terms of the sports world uh, and everything else. But like, it makes a lot of sense. You can't even do it. Um, but it's funny. Yesterday, I was sitting in the house and I was just like, "All right, let's see." what's on TV right now in terms of sports. So I flipped it on to ESPN. Uh, what's on there? Re-airs, re-airs, re-airs. Uh, some sports documentaries. Flipped it over to Fox Sports 1. Racing. NASCAR racing's on. I swear to God, they have to have like an all-time high of viewership right now. No, NASCAR NASCAR suspended everything too. This is probably a rerun. Really? Uh, must have been then. Sorry, I missed that one. Um, and then uh, did rugby suspend stuff as well? I don't follow rugby or cricket, so I would assume so, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But yeah, several things. Also, sad to say, the Masters as well. I mean, it makes sense, even though they could. I feel like the Masters probably could have done fanless and you know just kept it to the player and the caddy on on the on the course, and they probably could have done uh, something with that. But again, it's just frowned upon right now to not be canceling your events and not be postponing your events because. 
people just look at it as bad practice. So these companies yeah. are going to be like, nah, no, no, cancel all the way. I mean, so Quinn's birthday was last week, so my family was in town, and yeah, I was talking to my, with my dad like about the masters and how like you got to go at least once in your life, and like literally going from last Sunday to today, which is also Sunday. Uh, I mean, it's it's obviously skyrocketed at an exponential rate in the U.S. and now you know everything is is is, is closing up, but that's how quick it can happen, right? It doesn't take yeah. long for everything to spread. It really doesn't, and it's. It's actually really crazy because watching this movie, there was such eerie similarities to what's going on now and how quickly the, the panic kind of set in. I swear while watching this movie, I was really high and I just like got up in the middle of the movie, paused it and washed my hands like three times as like, I do not feel like, okay, right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I wash my hands very often throughout the day. So this is kind of just, you know, business as usual, maybe increase that number a little bit, but um, yeah, I'll find myself like touching something and being like, okay, got to go wash my hands now. Totally. Yeah. And talking about contagion, uh, you know, I just wanted to give a brief overview of it. Uh, hopefully if you're watching this podcast, you have seen it otherwise spoilers ahead, but, uh, it's an all-star cast. We got Gwyneth Paltrow, Matt Damon, Kate Winslet, Lawrence Fishburne, Brian Cranston, Marianne Cotillard, and Jude Law, uh, written and directed by Steven Soderbergh. And Scott Z. Burns also wrote it as well. Um, the brief overview, when Beth Imhoff, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, returns to Hong Kong from a business trip, she attributes the illness she's feeling to jet lag. However, two days later, Beth is dead, and the doctors tell her shocked husband, played by Matt Damon, that they have no idea what killed her. Soon, many others start to exhibit the same symptoms, and a global pandemic explodes. Doctors try to contain the lethal microbe, but society begins to collapse as a blogger played by Jude Log fans the flames to paranoia. Yeah, um, I just want to add like the, the super shittiness of this is he also found out that his wife was having an affair as they told her she died. Yeah, you know, I feel like they use that as like, hey, like feel less bad for feel more bad for Matt Damon, feel less bad that she died because she's a piece of shit or something like that. It's kind of way I felt it. And then they also like killed off her stepson, which wasn't really Matt Damon's son at all. So you're like, oh well, you know, it's not really his I'm just kidding. I would still feel bad if it was my fucking stepson. I thought it, I thought it was his son. No, he said it was his stepson. Oh wow. His daughter, his the blonde girl that survives, that's his real daughter. That's the kid I think that they had together, which also is confusing too, because she was older. So were they divorced? And then thought, she went and had a kid. Was, I thought that was his daughter, and the other one was one they had together. But I could be wrong. I, from what I remember him saying in the movie, I was high, but I'm pretty sure that was his stepson as he was saying that that died. Um, regardless of it, I don't know. They don't really focus on too much of like the inner workings of like each character and don't give them a lot of character development. The main star of the movie is really the MEV one, the virus that's, that is in this movie. Um, so it's not, it's, you know how it's really focusing on several people at once and how they work in this movie, which I thought was well done. And I, I really love the way they did that. Yeah. I mean, that's like that description kind of, you know, it definitely gives an accurate portrayal of like the first third of the movie, I'd say. Um, but just kind of piggybacking off that just to give the listeners a better idea of the the rest of the movie is about like the response and, and trying to contain and identify, you know, where the virus originated and then trying to figure out, you know, how to get uh, a vaccine in place. And it takes, 
I don't know, it's like many days. It was like over a year, almost like 400 some days. And um, it also kind of focuses on briefly the public, you know, freaking out and being in that situation where you got to make sure your family is surviving. And then it gets into like, you know, uh, Matt Damon sees people like rob a home and shoot people inside. So yeah. And a bunch of looting happens. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Cause like, that's the scariest part of everything is not necessarily the virus. And even now, like today, like the virus doesn't scare me. I mean, we're, we're, you know, it doesn't really kill young people per se. Um, but what's the scariest part is just how society reacts to something like that. And now you can't even buy toilet paper because everyone's freaking out and that just somehow became a thing. Yeah, exactly. And I wish we could trace back to where and how that became a thing. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some information on it, but I don't I know how the toilet paper thing people, started. I would imagine just people freaking out and making sure they have all the necessities in case something happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still feel like I don't have enough in the house to, to really like in case something happens, but like, I don't know. I'm not that worried about, losing stock of everything especially since you know we've got america Setti here talking about how there's enough supplies to go around right now but again yeah. what are we what are we supposed to do um but really i thought what contagion did well was it concentrated on real world everyday things um i thought steven soderbergh used some really clever camera work in the film and focused as uh, focused on inanimate objects like bar peanuts and a credit card machine are they focused on a glass at a restaurant um or, or like you know, the poles you hold in uh in like and, buses and subways exactly and they kind of we learn later on that there's a, a scientific term for that and it's called fomites uh, and fomites is where shared services uh it's like shared services where viral infections can spread from one person to another uh, and these shared services are basically the shark fin uh, in the water for the film. It's that invisible threat that Soderbergh returns to again and again in the film. Um, I thought Scott Z. Burns, I was looking up a little bit of him. Like this movie is like, since all theaters are closed down, right? Not closed down, but a lot of movies are delaying films. A lot of things are being canceled right now. A lot of events, people are turning to home entertainment to kind of suffice the time and pass the time sorry pass the time excuse me um so skyrocketing like on all the trending lists all all of them right now it's it's the most watched thing uh and one of the top search things right now um so scott scott z burns was actually interviewed by a few outlets recently um and kind of talked about uh, what he did to research this film and who he talked to and stuff like that um I thought they did a great job researching this and they talked with experts like Larry Brilliant, who was known for his work eradicating in smallpox. Um, and then Ian Lipkin, who is a specialist at the WHO and author Lori Garrett. Um, these are people that have dedicated their lives to studying real outbreak scenarios and conceiving hypothetical nightmare situations like the ones presented in this film. Um, and honestly, the disaster response is, is roughly accurate in the, uh, to the real world response. Um, like the WHO, they deploy epidemiologist Dr. Orantis, who's played by Marianne Cotillard, um, to Hong Kong to try to identify the source. Uh, her character a little bit, I think you and I were talking before this podcast began about her and like, you know, she's like kidnapped in the middle of the film and held prison prisoner by some people in Hong Kong, um, in their village. Um, I, I didn't particularly like get, not, not get, I didn't like that whole thing 
sequence that they did. Yeah, it wasn't a good character arc, I'd say. Yeah, it it was it was very forced. It felt like like oh, like by the way, like my village is dying, so we're gonna kidnap you, and then she gets rescued, and they give. Like they give that guy and his uh, people a bunch of placebos. And then once she learns that she starts running from the airport back to them, I'm like, well, what are you going to do now? Like, are you supposed to like give them the vaccine that you just got? Like, what are you going to do? So yeah, it was I, all about like the Chinese government, not, not wanting to negotiate with like quote unquote terrorists, you know? So exactly. Kind of it, it just, it could have been more well done. And before I forget, cause it just popped in my head, but, you know, piggybacking off, off this movie trending so much. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but coronavirus porn is one of the most searched. Are you serious? <laughs> categories on po- Pornhub. Wow. Wow. So people have already started making videos of uh, coronavirus porn? Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, how does that work? Have you watched one yet, Jay? <laughs> I mean, you know, for research purposes, I had to see what it was about. And uh, how do they play this out? Let's uh, Let's get a run by run here. It's a lot of going down on each other with face masks. Hmm. I guess that's true. And then, you know, you got to be careful. You just got to rub it. Yeah. And then you just watch the fomites. It's just a shared surface right there. If it's a threesome, nice little little, little pole to hang on to right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yes, so the also the CDC, they deploy um, an EIS officer known as Dr. Myers, uh, who's played by Kate Winslet, um, to the cluster region in Minneapolis, which is where Gwyneth Paltrow lived. So that's one of the big areas. I think it was there, Chicago. Um, those are the two that they really focused on in the movie. Uh, and it's here that we will learn more terms. Uh, and we learn about the r Um The r was not something in my vocabulary until earlier this week. Um, I actually saw this and I didn't know what it was. Like I saw R zero and I, I didn't. I wasn't even sure. Someone asked a question about it and I wasn't even sure exactly what it was. And then I watched. Where did you see that? Uh, a, a good friend of mine who's a doctor. I just posted on Facebook like, "What would you like to know about the COVID nineteen virus?" And it was like, "What's the R zero?" And I didn't really know what it was at the time, but then watched the movie and realized exactly kind of what it meant and how it plays into all this. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, basically, from what I understand, is is it's the rate at the reproductive rate of the virus, basically, right? Like, uh, you know, if so, basically, I think in the uh, in the film, the MEV one virus, it starts at two and then it jumps to four. Um, like for COVID nineteen right now, the R naught is at two point five, um, but this doesn't necessarily make it deadlier. It just makes it a much more infectious than the seasonal flu. Yeah, um, I think so, the, I think the flus are like an R two or something like that. You know, like most of like. The, the lowest one is, is basically like R, I guess in theory R0, but real, realistically R1, where one person yeah. gets infected and they infect another person, whereas like R2 would be for every person that gets infected, they infect two other people. R3 for every one person infected affects three other people. And then, you know, you can kind of just like extrapolate that, that math on your hands, you know, like, you know, one times three equals three, three times three equals nine, nine times three, uh, you know, 27, and then it quickly can get out of hand from there. Yep. And, and, uh, that is exactly how we see a pandemic, uh, happen. And then obviously an epidemic happen. Um, and this is what we're seeing in the world right now with their responses. Um, this is why Italy is on lockdown right now because they didn't act quick enough. Um, this Bro, is did why you see that fucked up video on social media, the guy like FaceTiming and his dead sister is behind him in the bed and like, he can't get anyone to help and come remove the body. Nope. Fucked up. That's in Italy. Yeah. 
Wow, that's oh, that's she's awful. Like, she's like she's dead, dead, dude. It's it was fucked. Where did you see that? On the interwebs. <laughs> I I'm trying not to psych myself out and like excuse excuse me, yeah, freak right. myself it's, out too much. It's a, it's a fine it's a fine line you gotta you gotta wobble right there, you know. Yeah. Because I found myself, I found like we bought all this stuff, and and honestly, like it didn't matter to us because like our hurricane prep supplies are running low because that's something we always have to be aware of, especially mm-hmm. in like you know April to September, more like those summer months when hurricanes typically come and and, and you know interrupt South Florida. So I was like, you know, what, what, it doesn't matter. Like we're gonna need this stuff anyway. But then like I was buying stuff, I was like, dude, like what are you like? Am I retarded? Like, am I really buying into all this right now? That's what I keep on saying too. I'm just like, shit, like, am I being that like overcautious right now? Or like, should I be prepared? And I feel like the answer is you should be prepared. You should at least have some sort of preparedness ready kit to go just in case of any type of emergency. And I think that's really what this outbreak and this movie taught me um, more of. Because even out here, like... Sad to say, I, I don't have any type of like earthquake preparedness kit except for a case of two cases of water underneath my bed. You know, like that that's the only thing I have. I should have like a go bag ready or something at least, but I'm not I'm not prepared. Well, and you I never know, dude, because they say like if thing, you know, most places go on lockdown for two weeks because the incubation period is really anywhere from like three to fourteen days. I think the majority of it's five to seven. Yeah, uh, for the coronavirus. So you never know. I mean, you you you, you want to survive a couple of weeks, but if 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 something's not resolved, the infrastructure's not there, or deliveries aren't being made, it could be much longer. So you never know. Yep, it's very true. So it's it's uh, something to think on, folks. Uh, I, I really want to maybe on socials. What I'll do is kind of like put together a, a little infographic of like how you could be prepared for this type of stuff in in, in the event of uh, an outbreak. Um, I think that's something really to kind of, kind of everyone should be aware of. Um, but talking about the movie, so the movie also introduces CDC science doctor scientist Dr. Hextall, uh, the woman in the movie who breaks down the virus for us. She's the one who injects herself with the possible vaccine and then speeds up the process uh, to be able to get it for human um, treatment. Which still in the movie, I think it took like what another year for everybody. Like they were doing um, lotteries. Like Brian Cranston's character was doing lotteries, saying like you know people born on March tenth, they're the first in line. People are born on this date, they're one hundred forty fourth in line. Um, yeah. It's crazy to think about it that way. That would be terrifying if something like this was to actually break out and you had to do a lottery just to be in line to get the vaccine and still have yeah, a year. And it shows like it showed what happened when like they ran out of the vaccine right and then like we have no more and the people were like you know running and pushing people over and stealing their vaccines you know it's a, it's no no that was food that was food they were they oh, ran out of okay. mres they ran out of mres there gotcha yeah but same thing though even if even if they're passing out the vaccine and the cdc and the government wasn't ready to give out the vaccines you're gonna have that type of mass rioting where people are like fuck you i'm gonna get what i need right now it's it's a very very eerily similar to uh, what what you see in movies like zombies um where those outbreaks kind of happen and, and people are, are all about fending for themselves so i find those oh, yeah. those types of stuff so interesting because well, it's more about how people react yeah, well, I always said like, I, like I think a zombie outbreak is there's a very high chance of it happening, but it's not like the living dead zombies. It's it's going to be like this pathological virus that goes around, and it's going to be more about making sure that you're quarantined from it. 
know. Yeah, but like, but like when you say it's like a zombie outbreak, do you mean like something like? Did you ever see that movie Quarantine where it's people getting rabies and they're becoming rabid and and attacking people, or do you mean something different? I mean, I guess in theory it could be that, but I just mean generally just like sick people trying to survive and trying to like find I don't know food or or anyone that can help them, and then the rest of the non-infected trying to stay safe and away from those people. And I don't know, man. I just feel like I feel like human nature and humans in dire situations can be much more deadly and much more evil than a, a living dead zombie trying to eat somebody. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think that's what makes this movie so terrifying in general and why it's not alone just from COVID-19 bringing out is just, this is more realistic of a thing happening than a zombie outbreak. You know, like I feel like zombie outbreaks are used as a, form of escape of entertainment um but like this is something that like as i was even watching it it felt terrifying in my mind like yeah, that's why i got zombies it. are I mean, they're disease based they 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 get other people infected mm-hmm. that's like the whole premise right is, is how do you stay alive how do you stay uninfected so yep. it kind of goes hand in hand yep and that one of the things that they do is social distancing man just staying away from each other stay contained to your room and play a bunch of video games and wait for this all to blow up. Yeah. Head down to the Winchester, have a pint and wait for this all to blow over. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, now. Okay. So talking about uh, the rest of this movie, it's at the end of the film that we learn that the, how the virus is spread. Um, so they basically start at the beginning of the movie, obviously day two, and then you kind of go the whole thing and then it backs up with Matt Damon is looking at a camera uh, and he sees uh, Gwyneth Paltrow shaking hands with a chef at a restaurant in Hong Kong. It's then where it's received to flashbacks uh, and we see that the virus is spread from deforestation um, is shown as a fruit bat eating a banana, which drops a piece of fruit into a pig pen. That pig is then slaughtered and taken to a kitchen in Hong Kong where the chef meets Beth after he touches the pig's mouth uh, and doesn't watch his head, uh, hands, uh, and then gives it to Beth. Beth kills everyone. Thanks, Beth. Um, now, MEV1 is in this way is similar to the Nipah virus in the late 90s, which was believed to originate from bats displaced to because of forest, deforestation, um, and it was spread to humans from pigs. Um now, Scott Z. Burns, he reached out, uh, he researched ecotones, um, which is humans invading remote areas uh, and expose the food chain to microbes the human immune system aren't biologically prepared for it. Interestingly enough, COVID-19 currently stems from a family of beta coronaviruses that currently stem from bats. Bum, so, bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, a lot of weird, a lot of weird, uh, parallels here. It's, it's interesting, but I think contagion, uh, it really did a great job of showcasing a team tackling the crisis, working, uh, tackling the crisis and working in various fields to solve the problem. Like disease outbreaks, they aren't something that, uh, one person alone can solve. It takes a community of specialists to come together and try to figure out what's going on and then have people like us listen to them and not try to freak out too much. That's exactly how we don't run out of toilet paper or punch people in the face when they're trying to grab toilet paper because there's none left. Um, the worst person in this film, I hope you agree with me here, Alan Crumweedy, played by Jude Law. 
what a dickhead. He's a social media influencer who first breaks footage of an early infected person and uses his following to spread conspiracy theories and peddle snake oil cures like the homeopathic treatment for Scythia, uh, which is a load yeah. of crack. Uh, you know what? My, my most hated person is Beth because she's a whore, <laughs> she's unfaithful, and she ended up being the one that kills everybody. <laughs> Followed in number two by Jude Law. Okay. Wow. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I uh, I stand corrected. Yeah, she was a piece of shit too. It was weird, man. I did not expect her to die so quickly. Like I did not expect to see her on the table getting her head split open and then like watching her skull get like her like skin get pulled over the top of her face. It was yeah. It was quite disturbing. Uh, I didn't expect uh, Kate Winslet to die. Me neither. I didn't expect her to die either. I thought we're because like also ruining this for a lot of people, but a lot of people. Hey, if they're watching, if they're listening to this show, they've seen the movie. Movie, there's spoilers ahead, and you guys know this. But yeah, I didn't think Kate Winslet was gonna die. Also, since um, Lawrence Fishburne was telling her like, you know, only one out of four people will die from this. I was like, oh, she'll be the three, one of the three that survives. Nope, Mm -hmm. she was one of the four. So uh, it was. Regardless, I thought it was a really great movie. Um, I thought they did a really good job at uh, focusing on the MEV1 virus as the bad guy and then how they kind of solve it as a, as a community. I, I wouldn't want to ever see like a sequel or like a follow-up to this, but I, I love I would love to see a movie where they focus on a family after an outbreak. I mean, honestly, there are movies like that that do focus on families or like a single specific person and how they deal with the outbreak. I think I just love those types of stories more. I mean, you can even think of a contagion outbreak as something like A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place yeah. 2 coming out. Yeah. Those are very good examples of it. And and I think or those movies are always like just so fun. Yeah, exactly. Or, um, what's that other one? I watched part of it. I was really- uh, oh, oh, the one with uh, John Goodman? Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the one with John Goodman in, in uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was saying, okay, yeah, 10 Cloverfield Lane, not Cloverfield Paradox. But there's also one called It Comes at Night where they're like, they're all in a house and it's- Oh, yeah. I saw that. That was fucking good, dude. That movie I was- remember it. I'll have to watch it again. We should talk about that one on this show, actually. That's a that's a great one to talk about. Um, I, I haven't thought about that movie in a while. But yeah, um, it's great movie. I, I mean, for me, I, I liked it. I give it a- uh, a nine point five out of ten on my on the scale. What do you give it? Uh, not that high. Um, really? Really? I, yeah. I, I like. I feel like I've got to separate myself from like the movie and then like the movie plus what's happening in today's world, right? Yeah. Um. I mean, I'd be more around like the eight kind of range on that. Sure. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's totally understandable. I just thought that, like, in terms of, I thought what I liked about it was. You can tell the immense amount of research that went into it, and I really like the details that they put into the film um, in terms of just giving a wide view of how the world would deal with a pandemic like the MEV1. Um, And I thought right there, like that was exactly what the movie was supposed to be, what it was supposed to do. And it did a good job at that. And Soderbergh really delivered in terms of just focusing on multiple different things. that's why I give it a 9.5. Fair enough. You know, I mean, I don't think it's like, it's like, to me, it wasn't like the conjuring where I'm like, holy crap, that was terrifying and amazing. I want to watch it again. This is, I mean, it was good. Don't get me wrong, but like, 
I kind of, I don't know. There's just a breakdown between like, holy crap, that was an amazing movie versus like, that was a really good movie. I totally, I totally understand. Like I, I, it's, I also, my score could be affected by the fact of what's going on right now. And I could be uh, a a big factor for sure. Yeah. But regardless, still a great movie should definitely watch, um, especially right now. It's a cool one. Um, Highly relevant. Yep. And then I was looking out uh, and just doing some research on how concerned about COVID-19 should we be? Um, well, I found let me some... explain where it comes from first. Sure. Right? Go ahead. Yep. Before, I guess, uh, to be somewhat linear about this, but, you know, everyone is, is you know, kind of pointing fingers at China and now China is coming back saying, you know, America created this and then we had some joint training exercise with some military troops over in China. We brought it over to them. Um, but that really doesn't hold any water. Um, I believe it was 40 out of the 41 original like infected people, 27 of them visited this wet market in China. And I think one of the, the key questions is like in the trend you'll see is a ton of diseases originate in China. And you got to kind of wonder why, why that is right. Why do most diseases come from China? And the reason is they have these things called wet markets and, and wet markets are, are really to blame. So China, communist country is, I think everyone's aware, but uh, in the 1970s, China was collapsing and famine was killing 86 million people. The government controlled all food production, anything from meats to uh, agriculture, produce. Um, and the government was realizing that they were failing. And in 1978, they enacted a law that allowed uh, private farming that people could, you know, then run off and profit of. And this was, you know, pretty valuable tool because it would allow, you know, really peasants in small in small villages to be able to, you know, sell uh, meat and produce, you know, to the, uh, you know, national market. And so uh, while the government still ran most of the most common meat production, you know, your beef, your pork, your poultry, these smaller farms in rural people started catching and breeding more wild animals like snakes, turtles, bats that's kind of how it originated um and these were peasants that were doing this by the way so i mean obviously not the most sanitary uh, of conditions but the government was backing this program and that added to more people adapting and buying in to that farming and that buying method uh in 1988 the chinese government enacted the wildlife protection law which claimed that the wildlife was actually uh resources owned by the state making them a natural resource and protected people who were engaged in utilizing the wildlife resources and encouraged the domestication and breeding of natural wildlife. All this was from a really awesome video I watched by Vox, actually. Oh. Uh, just give them a shout out. Really well done video. Um, but this law really resulted in small farms in these smaller villages turning into large industrial sized operations, uh, still ran by peasants, you know, in the beginning. And they were breeding large varieties of different animals, right? So uh, not just, you know, a, a chicken or a cow, but they were all different types of species. Uh, on As far as like the different animals that were sold, it's insane. It's anything from cats, dogs, uh, peacocks, snakes, bats, um, pangolins, tigers, rhinos, uh, really like it's kind of sketchy. These people, don't, they don't even care about wildlife, whatever they can get their hands on to make money and get out of poverty. You know, they were doing. Um, so this resulted in these small farms, you know, turned into these industrial operations. So, you know, again, they were breeding large varieties of animals and pretty much all these viruses 
go from one animal to the next and for it to affect a human, it's got to go from an animal to a human. So a lot of diseases go in between the animals, but never really makes it to the humans. Right. Uh, but these animals were then sold into the wet markets by these small village farms. And then people would come and buy them at the wet market. So it's basically like a somewhat unregulated market, uh, people, uh, breeding and, you know, bringing these animals up and then giving them into, uh, you know, the national markets. And, uh, at the same time as this program grew, it's also providing cover for smaller legal farms to breed and sell exotic animals like your pangolins, your rhinos, your tiger. So I guess kind of to break this down in modern society, it's like the medical medical marijuana industry has provided a bit more cover to people who are growing um, in the illegal industry, right? So a lot of people might sell some to the regulated government industries and then also sell some to the illegal industry. So it kind of creates a... Uh, this veil, if you will, to kind of hide some other stuff that goes on. So in 2003, the SARS outbreak occurred. Um, and I think that killed like 779 people or something uh, worldwide. But it was traced back to a wet market in China, in the Guangdong province, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was actually traced back to these civet uh, cats, which is a particular breed of wild cat animal that was sold at the markets. So in response, the Chinese government shut down the wet markets and the wildlife farming industry, uh, but they soon lifted the ban uh, of 55 types of animals, including the civet cat. So it didn't work out for too long, still being a communist country, they decided to lift the ban of, of really most animals. And of course, they include the one that actually caused the SARS outbreak. So uh, that's kind of like how it comes up, but I'll, I'll go even, even deeper into this. So after the COVID-19 breakout, the reason it's called COVID-19 is coronavirus disease 2019. So mm -hmm. Corona Theo virus VID disease COVID-19 from 2019. So following this, the government did the same thing. They shut down the wet markets and wildlife farming industry. Again, they're actually working on amending the laws currently because I think they're starting to realize this system has a lot of health issues you know, in relation to it. So in New Year's, New Year's Eve 2019, China admitted it had a problem. They named this virus COVID-19, the Cabronis virus of 2019. This was traced back to the uh, Huanan market in Wuhan, China. A lot of people have never even heard of Wuhan, but soon learned it's about the size of New York. I mean, it's a massive city, right? Their, China's population is out of control. Mm -hmm. uh, of the first 41 patients, 27 had been to this wet market and China shut down the, the wet market. So just kind of giving a little kind of brief history lessons on viruses. So the flu usually comes from poultry or pork. HIV comes from monkeys. Ebola came from bats. And they believe that the COVID-19 went from a bat to a pangolin to a human. Now, pangolins are an endangered species. They look similar to an armadillo. They are very cute, except for armadillos have that shell. Pangolins are covered in scales. Their scales are claimed to have health attributes, so none of that can actually be proven, uh, but highly coveted endangered species that is uh, bought and sold. It's very typical that a, I mean, sorry, it's very rare um, that viruses can make this far of a journey going from animals to humans. It doesn't happen often when it does, it's typically bad because this would require these animals to come in contact with one another and then also come in contact with a human, which is rare, especially if you have, like, say, just a chicken farm or just a, a pig farm where you're only focusing really on, on, on one meat. So you wonder, like, how does this happen? How does these coincidences align to where everything can come in contact and it comes from wet markets? So really, what is a wet market, right? 
a wet market is a place where live animals are kept and then slaughtered and sold on site. So you can literally go up and be like, okay, I want this cat. I want this dog. I want this chicken. And they'll slaughter it for you right there and sell it to you. Now, these animals are kept in cages, and these cages are, are typically stacked on top of each other. Okay, And keep in mind, we're talking about a very wide variety of animals. Now, the animals on the bottom cages are also often covered in liquid. We're talking urine, fecal matter, blood, pus, whatever is dropping down on them from the animals on top. And this is how this disease really travels. It goes through uh, fecal matter. It goes through the, the, the urine or the blood, right? And then once these animals are covered in just disgustingness from the other animals and it gets sold and a human eats it, they have a, a chance of getting infected. And that's when it makes a transition from an animal disease to a human disease. And that's either, you know, you're either eating it or you're handling the meat or something, right? So even if the person who slaughtered the animal and sells the meat gets infected, he could infect every other person that he comes in contact with, every other person he sells meat to for that day, that week, whatever, until he realizes that he has some disease. And so these markets are massive. So many people are coming there. So when the disease starts there, there's already these other hosts that the virus can also infect. Now, these wet markets are in a ton of countries, but China has the most variety of animals uh, and the conditions are never great. So that's kind of how all of this comes about, right? Is these animals peeing and shitting on each other. Uh, and then humans contracting that virus. And it's typically something new that we haven't seen before. So it's very hard to treat at an expedited rate, which is why these, you know, large scale outbreaks can happen. Wow. Wow. That's honestly crazy. Um, I did not know. Uh, I mean, I do know about wet markets, but it just, I don't know why that never crossed my mind about um, the animals being stacked on top of each other. And then that's how viruses are uh formed and contracted um is because they're just being pissed on yeah i mean honestly like i don't want to malign any of our chinese listeners but i have zero desire to go to chinese just because like the 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 cleanliness standards are so subpar it's insane yeah that's i mean they're well i mean if you look at it it's one of the world's most congested areas ever uh there is no way to really practice good sanitation uh, and if there is I mean, they have a lot to figure out there on that. It's it's really, really sad. And because they're so heavily populated, it can spread so quickly. Exactly. I mean, that's why you look at right now, and, and with COVID-19, there's 80,000 cases there uh, alone. It's it's, And they're not doing anything to con contain it. So um, it's bad. That's that's crazy. Yeah, no, it is. And, and you know, I mean, thank God we live in a country where you know, our president, love him or hate him, was strong enough to enact these travel bans to where we're going to cease all entry into this country. We're going to you know, try and contain this as much as we can. That's something that has to be realized, you know, at the early onset, you know, for instance, in contagion, where just one person gets infected and travels back, uh, you know, in this situation, just many people were infected in, in one area and it grew so fast because there's so much population and then everyone traveled out. And so then they all spread it outside of that. Yep. That's ugh. Jesus, man. Um, wow. So Jay, speaking of that, then how concerned about this virus should we be? Uh, I mean, as long as you follow good principles of good hygiene, uh, you should not be um, extremely concerned unless you are an elderly or have a pre-existing condition. That's what these 
these brief studies have basically deduced. There doesn't even seem to be that large of an effect in children. Uh, but still, you know, we are in the very early phases of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so you never know. I Chloe actually shared this website with me. She works in the healthcare industry, and this is like a live tracker for the U.S. It's coronavirus dot the number one and then point the word, then the number three, then acres.com. So coronavirus dot 1.3 acres.com. This has a live tracker, man. And I was texting uh, the director I work with, you know, not only my boss, but he's, he's a good friend of mine. And I was like, dude, what's like, they have to call for remote soon. This is getting into its exponential phase in the United States. And if anyone knows anything about exponential chart, it's, it's, it's not desirable, especially when it comes to uh, disease. But on Thursday at like 11 at night, I was texting him. I was like, it's at 1135 right now, which was already exponential for where it had been. And that was again, Thursday at 11 PM. So in what one, two, two and a half days since then it's at 3,400. That's in the united states it just so really it's gonna shows. keep growing yeah it's, it's just shooting up check out the website it's pretty damn cool they've been it's coronavirus dot 1.3 acres again that's the number one the word point and the number three then acres.com and it breaks down the state so new york washington california massachusetts and florida uh, have the most cases lovely enough because i live in florida and I live in Broward County, has the most cases. Broward County is 36, Miami-Dade, 13. And then the rest are really just like four or five. So I'm honestly in like one of the higher higher infected areas of Florida. Fun. Yeah, you really are. That sucks. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this website right now, too. This is very, it's a very cool website. Yeah, very you, you can spend some good time on there. Very, very cool website. Yeah, I love this. Uh, yeah, definitely check this one out. I'm going to be looking at this after this. Um, but yeah, and and honestly, in terms of how concerned we should be about the virus, um, I think that the truth is somewhere in between. There's been a lot of focus on the fatality rates uh, and meaning that they just mean the percentage of people in uh, meaning what percentage of people infected die. Um, usually with the seasonal flu, it's less than 1% um, die yearly. And then with the coronavirus, it's different right now. The problem that we're looking at here is that the percentages uh, are different wherever you look. For example, the WHO is saying that around three point uh, it's around three point four. However, Iran is saying that it's around fifteen to sixteen percent. The problem with those numbers is the denominator. If you're not counting everyone infected, those percentages can be off. Uh, the places that have been doing a good job in terms of reporting uh, the infected, uh, the deaths is Singapore and South Korea. Uh, they've been doing a ton of testing, and based on the rate, it's around 0.6 to 0.8%, um, which is still worse than the seasonal flu, but it's not as bad as the Spanish flu, uh, which is around 2%. Uh, yeah, well, so right. just a couple things on that, right, is well, it's obviously like a, a much smaller portion of the world population that's been affected uh, in terms of the flu versus uh, COVID-19. I mean, you're really comparing apples to oranges. We have a flu vaccine. We don't have a COVID-19 vaccine, Mm -hmm. you know? So with the flu, we can all get out in front of this. People get their yearly flu shots or in a situation where there was a a massive influenza. Influenza is the fancier word for the flu, more commonly referred to as the flu. But even if there was a massive flu outbreak, more people would rush to get the vaccine. So it's, it's just completely different. And, you know, again, unless you're, the, the biggest fear for someone you know, our age and we're around 30, 30 years of age um, would be that we can affect others that could not be def- 
you know, cannot defend against it. So like they're going to close down the daycares. They've already closed down the schools. They don't want little Timmy coming home and seeing his grandparents and infecting his grandparents and his grandparents dying. Right. So like, that's like the immediate fear. If you're young, if you're in good health, extremely high, um, you know, recovery rates. Uh, and that's something that the media hasn't focused too much on. There is a lot of fear mongering going out there and people buying into this. They're only covering the death toll. They're not including the recovery numbers, which are substantially, substantially much, 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 much higher. But the biggest fear is, is not the virus itself. It's how society is reacting to the virus. And if we do go into quarantine or martial law or something like that, which there are a lot of conspiracies and there's some very credible resources that even, even suggested that uh, the biggest fear is going to be about what your neighbors are willing to do to survive. Yep. And that's why living in a big city can scare the shit out of a lot of people right there. Yep. Yep. I mean, I, I, I was talking to a guy at work and he said that he, uh, his family was wanting them all to come back to Georgia where they live on a farm and they had just bought a thousand rounds of ammunition just to, just to sit back and um, chill in case. That's all? Only a thousand? I mean, it's more than what I have. <laughs> Speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm just saying it's people are really ready to go to the extreme. And it's at that teetering point in the world where you give it another week and it could go south very, very quickly. Unless uh, here in the United States, unless it's contained. You look at Italy right now. Italy is on complete lockdown. Um, I mean, that could very easily be us. And then that's where all this mass hysteria turns in. You start locking everyone down here in the United States. Um, it's much different. People are more about freedom here. Duh. So people are going to start reacting a lot differently. Well, unless you're a slightly paranoid redneck who loves a good old conspiracy theory that stays ready for all types of shit every day of the week, like me, eh, you should probably think of a plan to uh, weaponize whatever is in your household. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be honest. The only thing I keep next to my bed is a baseball bat. I need to be uh, more prepared. What can I say? It's hard to make money out here sometimes. So, gotta uh, save up for it. Yeah. Hey. Well, if you want to ship me some stuff your way, my way, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe we'll talk about it. Um, Jay, I see on here because I'd like to talk about a little something fun now because um, this is not only depressing. And also factual and true to hear, um, I like to think about um, zombie outbreaks. And I see here that you've outlined some fun stuff here for us. Yeah. So the government has uh, contingency plans in place for a number of different events that could happen. They actually have uh, more think tanks than you would expect the government, the military does to just go over hypothetical situations. Uh, I was trying to find something more specific towards an outbreak, but um, kind of again, partnering the zombie genre with a pandemic outbreak, a viral outbreak, they follow a lot of the same lines, right? It's more about, um, you know, don't think so much like eating flesh and killing, think more just simple outbreak, right? Zombies trying to infect another person. Um, so they actually have a contingency plan called con plan eight, 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 eight. And this is when you boil it down, uh, the Do you US think they call it eight 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 because they're eating 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 brains? Could be. I have no idea. I just thought about that one. 
So it's uh, it's actually a zombie outbreak plan, and this was kind of it started from like a, a kind of fun beginning, right? Um, they use zombies just as something fun to kind of go off of, uh, and they have all these different types. And I, I really think it's because they didn't want like people to get scared or have to try and come up with solutions where you might be shooting and killing civilians, right? But um, they break it down to several different types of zombies. So there's pathological zombies, which are, you know, you catch a disease, um, you catch a virus and turn into a zombie. So I think that's like the most realistic one, right? Is we, we, I want to focus on this pathological zombie throughout most of this, but they also have radiation zombies created from, you know, electromagnetism or radi- radiation. They have evil, evil magic zombies, which they, they had some fun with this. I'm not going to lie, which is like where an evil warlock or wizard, like cast spells to make people zombies. They have space zombies, which come from alien contamination, uh, weaponized zombies, which are zombies created by the government to be used as military weapons. They have symbiote induced zombies, which is the introduction of a symbiote life form into a healthy host. This actually exists in the wild. There are these zombie oh, insects yeah. mm-hmm. that will uh, infect their hosts and basically act and control like their host like a puppet and they can make cannibalis cannibalis uh cannibal uh like i've seen like uh caterpillars before or like well, there's caterpillars over. there's zombie ants uh there's like a yeah, type yeah, yeah. Of fungus that jumps on on certain things it's thanks thanks uh planet earth for this by the way so uh yeah, yeah exactly, exactly it's quite it's quite insane yeah, but there's also vegetarian zombies, which are zombies that do not eat human human flesh, but rather plant life. And they actually pose as much of a threat as regular zombies due to their appetite to eat all vegetation. They can cause deforestation and destruction of crops. And then there are chicken zombies, which are actually outside of the uh, symbiote zombies, the only zombies which actually exist. And it's because I guess they euthanize chickens with carbon monoxide. And so they'll pump the hen house and they're usually in a pile and, and they're all die around and there'll be one in the middle that is protected, but still getting carbon monoxide. And that zombie will basically rise from the pile and walk around as its organs are failing until it eventually dies. So different types uh, of zombies. Like a chicken with their heads cut off then, huh? Basically. Kind of basically. But the one we want to focus on is pathological because it actually is a virus that, that someone could contract, right? So, um, also, fun fact here that pathogenic zombies are thought to be vulnerable to sunlight due to UV light impairing the function of RNA, which is ribonucleic acid. Not many people have a biology minor like your boy. <laughs> Hence is why it's night of the living dead because they don't like the sun. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like that? Wow. So we're going to run through these. Uh, we'll, we'll run through these real quick. I'll try and be quick for time, but... Uh, really five phases right phase zero is shape the environment so this is giving soldiers military personnel as much heads up as possible so they can move into different tactical and strategic positions monitoring monitoring teams would already be tracking the disease to see uh you know as it moves and would start uh to have everyone do a renewed hazmat training um as well as a nuclear and biological outbreak training, which they already do frequently. You know, there's always that continued education, but they would just issue like a, a right away. Everyone, you know, brush up on this. Uh, let's get prepared for this. Phase one is deterrence. Uh, and this is before everything gets hairy, but deterrence is basically 
the U.S. flexing its military muscles to deter any other government or military or terrorist groups or biowarfare companies from thinking now is a good time to strike America. This would involve in large-scale training and the increased presence of our assets to let other entities know that you still don't want this smoke. Even if we're dealing with zombies, you don't want this smoke. Phase two, yeah. Phase two is uh, known as seize the initiative. And this is a recall of all forces. So National Guard, Coast Guard, reserves as well. Everyone who is tied to working for the military will be called up. Uh, They're going to deploy everyone, all of our assets with required equipment, ammunition, uh, you know, MREs and means to stay deployed for at least 35 days, right? And then we're going to notify adversarial governments like Russia or China that we're not using this outbreak as an excuse to cover up for military actions against their government state. Um, and then that green light will be coming uh, to attack any well-known zombie locations, so any viral outbreak locations in the country and abroad as well. So if you know there's something going on in Paris, we'll come over and bomb the shit out of it, whatever. Um, the military would also start for fortifying civilian strongholds as well as enacting quarantine areas. Phase three is known as dominance. That's the swift and effective killing of all known zombies. Even one zombie not killed could lead to a continued outbreak. So they will eliminate all the threats. Uh, phase four is stabilization. This would occur no earlier than 40 days into the plan. It would involve aerial surveys to assess zombie holdouts and numbers, as well as civilians isolated in the area to save and relocate them. It would also survey civilian services such as power, sewage, water supply, and communication lines, and they would deploy recon survey teams that would assess local environments for contamination like rivers wildlife, vegetation around the area, and then phase five, normalization, which is the reconstruction of civilian and government areas and infrastructure. Wow. How long do you think that would take, like, to do the all phases? Uh, how long do you think that that would take uh, to do? On the short end, I think they're shooting for, like, 40 days. On the long end, hell, I mean, you, we've seen so many zombie movies, it could last years, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of too. It's just like you you never know. Like these phases are put in place to protect the public, but like, dude, nothing, nothing is guaranteed at all. So, you know. Yeah. And the reason I think this is relevant is because like the government's job is to protect its citizen, but citizens, but like, don't, don't get it twisted. If you're infected or you have a virus and they're trying to protect its non-infected citizens, your government will kill you. Yeah, you're right. You're in 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 this situation. If it's truly outbreak, and they're doing everything they can to, you know, save the foothold of of Americans of civilization, they will kill you. I don't want anyone like freaking out saying, "Oh my God, the government!" If they do enact quarantine zones or martial law, they're going to kill us all. No, but if it gets out of hand, well, yeah, they would. Uh, they'd light you up. Yeah, and you're not wrong. But I mean. That is to the very extreme of what could happen in this world. But still, um, it's good to know. That's really crazy, dude. That's really fucking crazy. Like the thing is, okay, this happens, right? Like I wonder what teams in the military plan for or train for this. You know, like what teams in the military are like, hey, we're having an 8888 brow break. Let's uh, let's do some exercises. And you just I think it's probably – 
I think it's probably pretty small, right? Because you, yeah, I would, I would uh, yeah, I would think your privates, your specialists, your lieutenants, they're gonna follow the order. So I think it would come from more of a lead leadership, strategical, yeah, and just relaying simple stuff like, all right, you need to clear this location and secure the perimeter. Yeah, you know? yeah, and and uh, uh, it's very easily teachable in terms of like the logistics of like what you do need to do to lower enlisted soldiers. So it would just be at the highest possible. Um, branch and uh, level to really know what you need to do and then have a two-week teaching period of like, okay, we're going out to the field. We're going to do this for two weeks. Once you understand this, we're giving you a gun and you're going out into the city and you're going to figure out how to uh, – uh, you're not going to figure out. You're going to do those exercises in real time and with real people. And it just be yeah, – I mean, they don't, they don't train the military to only fight Chinese, right? No, they, they train, train them to fight anything, exactly. whatever the threat is. So it doesn't matter if it's someone with a virus, if it's a zombie, if it's a terrorist, if it's a uh, another country's military trying to invade the city. I feel like a lot of the same protocols would still be in effect. You know, yeah, a lot I of totally the same, like mentality, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, the same mentality. Well, you you have to be prepared for urban warfare, uh, and this is a different type of urban warfare than what we've been doing in the world for the past you know, 20 years, uh, close to 20 years. You know, this is, uh, this is a, there's, there's contingency plans, of course, ready to, to go for this. But when it comes to the actual execution of it, there will always be shit that failed that we need to pick up the pieces on and then learn from, and then hopefully never have to use again. But that's just really the question is how prepared is each government ready for this type of outbreak or even if there was god forbid a zombie outbreak or something similar yeah, how would outside they of baghdad fallujah raqqa i mean correct me if i'm missing any there but there hasn't been too much urban combat in our in the history you know no. even world war ii we we bombed the, the shit out of the cities before we even sent troops in so yeah. most buildings were decimated but you're talking true close quarters combat urban combat situations those are the scariest to be in oh absolutely i mean like you could god can you imagine like that's what scares me about living in this city and living in a big city is just like okay you don't have a plan to get out of the city and your plan is to use the highways but let's say something's going on that you're you're fucked you're gridlocked you're gonna have to walk out unless you have a motorcycle and you can easily get around stuff or a dirt bike or something atv the the roads will be cleaned out you know yeah so like you need something that can go off road absolutely man. i mean the roads will be so congested not cleaned out i mean there's gonna be just broken down cars barricades everywhere i would assume broken down cars barri- barricades if the, gov- be- if the government's trying to secure a city they'll, they might just blow up the bridges exactly exactly you know? i mean look at look at one of the one of my favorite movies of all time look at the dark knight rises i mean look what they did for that containment zone when bane took over the city it's really it's really funny. they blew up all the bridges uh, or they had explosives on the bridge, didn't they? And then they had the National Guard uh, holding it down mm-hmm. due to due to all this. But still, scary shit, uh, and and really crazy. Um, that's really interesting about the zombie outbreak. Um, I heard something a little bit similar. Like, I've heard something about this before, but I've never really like taken the time to look into the details of like uh, what happens during those initiatives and how they how they plan on breaking it down. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, Jay, just to kind of close this out before we uh, sign off here, um, I think that you're pretty prepared, but how prepared for an outbreak are you? Uh, well, I mean, we keep quite a bit of emergency food on deck for hurricane uh, preparation needs. 
Uh, I actually coincidentally cleaned numerous uh, rifles two weeks ago. Um, I have many firearms. Keep the uh, the 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 Johnny Steel two-time World War champ as well. So. Uh, as far as a weapon standpoint, I feel pretty good. Uh, food standpoint, feel all right. I think we'd be able to probably last a good eh, 60 days without really needing to leave the house. Worst case scenario, the only concern would be like if we need to get the hell out of the state or something, maybe go back up to Kentucky, like the logistics of that. But yeah, uh, I think as far as like the general population being prepared, I'd like to think I'm definitely in the, uh, the top percentage <laughs> of that. Yeah. Well, you're better off than me, man. I've got to, I've got to start laying out the plans as well. Um, especially considering where I live and how far away I am from home, um, and how that would work out, um, logistically, I think for me, it would be going to my girlfriend's family's house out in Santa Clarita, which has much less people than LA. So yeah, yeah, exactly. that would be step one at least, but, uh, and then we'd go from there, but, uh, I'll be I mean, taking luckily- my baseball bat. Luckily, I have enough ammunition to overthrow a small Caribbean country, so <laughs> my general stockpile of nature would be uh, something many people would covet in this situation, I imagine. Maybe maybe our maybe our contingency plan should be to head to your house uh, in Fort Lauderdale. We'll just drive right. straight across the country. <laughs> I mean, honestly, dude, I, I would probably just, um, you know, once push came to shove, just load up and uh, I'd roll down to Fort Lauderdale's the yacht capital of the world. I would just uh, find find me a, a yacht or something and just go down <laughs> on the open water, you know. Oh man, just like uh, just like that show, Fear the Walking Dead, where they were uh, the smartest move you can take is get out on the fucking water. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, thanks, guys. That's I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, I really had fun on this one, man. This was uh, a really, I mean, bad timing to talk about it, but also great timing to talk about it. It was uh, really informative. Yeah, no, it was. I actually, uh, you know, so my, my major was political science. My minor was biology. Um, I don't know why, but I just seemed to take those classes and I only needed one more uh, science-related class to get my minor in biology, and I didn't want to take like three more English classes. So I signed up for a virology class as my last class, thinking it'd be fun. Turns out it was like a super advanced pre-med requisite course. <laughs> And uh, it was a really tough course. I did not get a good grade in it, but it was fun learning about it all. And then kind of, you know, seeing a little bit of what I, I learned kind of come into the research of this episode. So it's definitely, definitely been fun. Well, you certainly know your shit. It certainly seems that way. Well, I appreciate that, buddy. But Well, that's why we talk several times a week to figure out, you know. Easy to look smart in the, the Google age. That's true. That's very true. Well, thanks guys for tuning in and uh, be sure to tune in next week for another episode of The Buzzed. Thanks. Have a good one, friends. Peace.